Father God, we thank you for eternity, for heaven, for the new creation, all that we've been thinking about so far. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening to understand how we should live now. And Father, we pray that we would build our hope nowhere else than on Christ. And that you'd help us to do that this evening. Amen. Well, that is our topic this evening, how should we live now? And we've heard that that's the third of a three-part mini-series. We can sum up the first two weeks in two simple words, I think. In the first week, we saw that what I'm going to call eternity, that is heaven, the new creation, all that that comes after death or after Jesus returns, that eternity will be wonderful. That was the first week. That it will be joy beyond our wildest dreams. And in the second week, last week, we thought about grief. and In a way, we thought about how it's certain that if we're trusting in Jesus, we have hope because of the certainty of this wonderful future. Well, that's the future, but back to today and our question, so how should we live now? And that's a much harder question. What difference does the wonder and certainty of eternity actually make on a Monday morning? Now, on the one hand, this is a relatively easy question. You know, there are the best of times when... I don't know, I'm singing a rousing hymn and I'm filled with joy thinking about heaven. And then there are the worst of times, perhaps in times of grief, like we thought about last week, where the certainty of heaven, it gives me a real hope and comfort. But what about these Monday mornings? Does the wonder and certainty of eternity really impact them? And I think actually the answer is probably yes if we're Christians here. But I'm not sure we always realise how. And so that's what we're going to think about this evening. As I've thought about this, I found this little book, Eternity Changes Everything, really helpful. In it, the author describes the story of Nick Wallonda, who in 2012 attempted to cross the Niagara Falls at its widest point on a tightrope. You can kind of imagine it, can't you? The TV crews, the spectators, the view 500 metres down to the water below, and a man stepping out onto the tightrope. But he wasn't completely unaided. He had a 40-foot pole in his hands. And that pole helped him to keep balanced, helped him to keep going. Now, what we're hopefully going to see from Philippians 3 this evening is that eternity acts a little bit like that pole. It keeps us going, it helps us from falling off into the danger below. But more on that later. The Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians to encourage a healthy church. He wanted to encourage them towards progress and joy in the faith. And he did so by giving them examples. He gave them Timothy and Epaphroditus and even Christ himself in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, we now have Paul as the example. And he is an example that shows us the answer to this question. How eternity impacts the now. 
Well, his example is going to show us two ways that this impact happens. The first one is this. Press on in Christ Jesus. Paul's example shows us that he pressed on in Christ Jesus. Let me read from verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. And take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In a word, he's talking about progress. Part of that is godliness, becoming more like Jesus. But it's also about knowing him, about enjoying him more. And he knows he's far from perfect, but he continues, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. It's a picture from the Olympic Games. It's the long-distance runner who spent months, years even, training strenuously, single-mindedly, looking ahead. Why does he do it? Because he's got his eyes fixed on the finish line. He's got his eyes fixed on that gold medal. That's the picture that Paul's painting. But his eyes are on a much better goal. I didn't finish verse 14. Let's read it again. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Paul's looking ahead. He's seeing eternity And he sees a wonderful prize to be won, perfection, forever, with God. So he runs with all his might. But here's the problem. When I try and just be more godly, even with all my might, I fail. I mean, I might do well for like a week, but sooner or later, I fail. I can't do it. Can you? But this running, it's, it's different because Paul is not simply pressing on. He's pressing on in Christ Jesus. See verse 14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. The Christ in Christ Jesus bit makes all the difference. You see, the Olympic Games picture, it's not perfect because in that picture, all the emphasis is on the runner. And it might be that he runs a good race. It might be that they don't and they lose. But actually, this race is certain. In fact, in this race, the gold medal is certain. And it's not because of the skill of the runner that it's certain, but it's because of Christ Jesus. Christ who has already run a perfect race. Christ who on the cross swaps our useless race for his perfect one. But that doesn't mean we just sit back and relax. Remember Nick Rolanda on his tightrope. We need to stay balanced. If we just press on in our own might, we will fail. But actually, if we just focus on the in Christ Jesus and we do nothing, we just sit back lazily, well then we won't actually make progress. We need to have a balance. We need to press on, but we do so in Christ, knowing that our confidence is not in ourselves, but completely in him. 
Now, we haven't actually nailed down what difference eternity makes. And I want you just to keep that thought in your heads, in your minds, because we're going to come back to it later. But first, we need to see the second half of Paul's example, what his example of the difference eternity makes. And that is that Paul eagerly awaits. In verses 18 and 19, he gives us the, as it were, the anti-example. Those whose minds are set on earthly things. And then, in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Philippi was like an outpost of Rome. And so many of the citizens there were Roman citizens with all the privileges that went along with that. And so for those hearing this letter, citizenship was really important. But whether they were Roman citizens or Philippian citizens, Paul's saying that actually, first and foremost, they're citizens of heaven. I'm not very good on holidays, especially if I've flown somewhere. I often spend the first few days kind of wanting to come home, not really looking forward to the night times. And and it usually takes me a little bit of time to settle in. I used to work for British Airways um, before I came to Oak Hill, And so we'd often fly places on BA planes. And I love that moment of getting back to the airport, getting on the BA plane and all the Britishness of it. I love home. If we're Christians, whether we're from Britain or from America or Asia or wherever, actually we're citizens of heaven. And that will affect our lives. See how Paul continues in verse 20. And we eagerly await. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We look forward to that day when Jesus will return, when he will transform our bodies, he will make us glorious. We'll no longer be weak, we'll no longer be sinful. And he'll also transform everything around us so that everything will be wonderful and perfect. And so now, like the child the night before Christmas, we eagerly await. Now, I want to suggest that this phrase, eagerly await, is a bit like that tightrope idea again. It's a balancing act. And it's actually related to those ideas we started off, of the wonder and certainty of eternity. You see, on the one hand, the wonder of eternity makes us eager for it. It gives us a restlessness, a dissatisfaction for how things are now. A hunger for the future. But then on the other hand, the certainty of eternity, it helps us to wait. It teaches us patience. It helps us to persevere, knowing that our futures will come when they come. Eagerly awaits the wonder and certainty of eternity, like that tightrope pole that keeps us going. And you see, we've now really hit the crux of the matter. 
So how should we live today? What difference should eternity make to the here and now? For you see, each of us will have times when we lose either the eagerness or the patience, the waiting. And so we're just going to spend the remainder of our time thinking about what happens when we lose either of these things, when we lose either the eagerness or the patience. Let's begin with the waiting, the await part. What happens if we stop waiting for eternity? And the answer is quite simple. We'll expect heaven on earth now. We'll expect things to go our way. We'll expect our careers to progress. When we've saved up and planned a nice holiday and we, we go, we expect the plane to get us where we're going and the, uh, the hotel to be spotless and nothing to ruin our time away. And maybe it'll be just that. But what happens when something goes wrong? A young Christian man left university and began a fast-track grad scheme at the company of his dreams. He had high hopes, he had large aspirations. And he'd always done well in life, why not again now? Well, things started going wrong when he didn't get the, uh, the placement that he was really hoping for, but that's okay. But then, fast forward a few years, and he feels stuck. His cohort have all moved up, got new jobs, new roles, have progressed, but he just can't seem to go anywhere. It's frustrating. He looks at his colleagues and he starts to think, I'm better than this. He becomes arrogant and irritable. He feels cheated. I deserve better, he thinks. What difference would it make that eternity is in the future, not now? Well, it's simple. When life doesn't go our way... It's okay. God hasn't promised life to go our way now, but one day. But if even subconsciously we expect heaven on earth now, then actually, situations like this, they crush us. And quickly they can turn a bit ugly. Because if we're expecting heaven on earth now, then we'll become grabbers. We'll grab onto all the good things of life and we'll hold on to them as if our lives depend on it. These good gifts from God, they become the crutches that we use to prop up our happiness. But the tragedy is that it doesn't work. They can't support the weight. Our friends are not able to give us the happiness of heaven. Our jobs aren't able to give us the pleasures of new creation. But eternity rebalances us. The certainty of eternity. Without it we become discontent grabbers. But with it, it's okay when things don't go our way. We can be content. We can have patience. Indeed, it even helps us plunge headfirst into a life where things won't always go our way. On the 11th of August, 1805, a man called Henry Martin left England to sail to India as a missionary. 
While on the boat, he spoke of his inexpressible anguish, his disturbed dreams. He described how the sea between him and all he held dear was heartrending. But he still went. On the boat, he preached, and he preached on Hebrews 11, verse 16. They, people like Abraham, were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. He wrote in his journal, In prayer I soon launched sweetly into eternity, and found joy unspeakable in thinking of my future rest, and of the boundless love and joy I should ever taste in Christ's beloved presence hereafter. He never actually returned to England. He died of fever six years later. He was a man who gave up all he held dear because he knew he was a citizen of heaven. You see, in a kind of one sentence, eternity means we need this world less. We don't need to be popular. We don't need that particular lifestyle. We don't need whatever it is that we think we must have to be happy in this life. And because we don't need them, we can hold on to them loosely. And if it's God's will, we can let go of them completely. Well, that is what happens if we forget to wait. And so we await. We don't grab. But what happens if we find ourselves lacking eagerness? If we lack that restlessness for eternity? And on this side of the tightrope, the problem is that we'll settle. We'll settle for now, for how things are. We'll sit back and relax. We need to now return back to our first point, press on in Christ. Do you remember at the end I said that we would come back to this because we didn't quite know how eternity actually made any difference? Well, here we have the answer. For actually, as we look forward to that day, that day when Jesus will return and he will give us new glorious bodies, that day when we will win the prize of perfection with him, as we look forward to that day, well, we won't want to settle for the now. As I was preparing this, I was thinking a little bit about friendships. And I was getting a bit frustrated that my sin just makes my friendships less good. You know, I, was, I kept on worrying about what people would think of me. Or worrying about something I said that I thought was a bit stupid. You know, and I spent so much time trying to hide bits of me I didn't want people to see, whilst trying to magnify and present bits that I did want them to see. And it just made them less good. But then I was thinking about this, and I realized that that day when Jesus comes, and I'm transformed into glory, that'll all be done. It'll all be finished. It'll all be gone. And relationships, they'll be easy and enjoyable and stress-free. They'll be wonderful. They'll be perfect. And I realized, why would I want to settle for how things are now? Why would I want this when there's something so much better to be had? Now, of course, 
I can't have those perfect relationships this side of eternity. But in Christ, I can make some progress. I can make some progress against sin. And so can we all. The wonder of heaven, it poses a simple question. It asks, why would you settle for now? As we think about our Christian lives, why would we settle for how much we know Christ now? Or our godliness now? We've got this wonderful target to look forward to. And in Christ we can make progress. For you it might be lots of things. What are you settling for today? The wonder of eternity should give us a healthy dissatisfaction of how things are now. And of course, we we remember that we're not going to get there fully. That's why it's a balance. We must have the waiting as well. We don't want to be grabbers wanting it all now, but we don't want to be settlers either. So we eagerly await. So two examples. Press on in Christ, eagerly await. But actually, have you noticed that they're much the same? For... As we see the wonder of heaven, it gives us an eagerness, and it's that eagerness that makes us press on. Yet at the same time, the certainty of heaven, it helps us to wait, because we know that our confidence isn't in ourselves, but it's in Christ, who's already finished the race. We eagerly await, we press on in Christ Jesus. But may I just end by saying that there is a more obvious and fundamental so what that eternity poses. It might be there are some here this evening who don't share the hope of eternal life. Who don't know for certain that there's a wonderful and certain future ahead of them. If that is you this evening, perhaps ask yourself this question. This life I've been describing, this eagerly awaiting, this hope, is it appealing? Is it something that you want to have as well? If you'd like to find out more, I do speak to Tom or myself or someone else that you know here. Because if that is you, you can have that hope as well. By putting your trust in Jesus Christ. For now though, let me pray. Father, we thank you as we look forward to that day when Jesus returns. That he will make everything new. We thank you for how perfect that will be. We thank you for how easy it will be. We thank you for all those things that we're thinking in the silence of our minds that we look forward to being gone from our lives, those sins, those weaknesses. As we look forward to that day, help us to eagerly await, to press on 
in Christ. And as we do that, might our lives overflow with so much hope that uh, people would see that and uh, come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.